0: All right, if you were to take an anonymous survey of let's just say every single person in Rock Hill who is sitting in a church this morning or in a ministry center and you were to ask them the question, why do you worship? You would get a lot of different answers. You might say, well, they they might say things like, well, I think it's the right thing to do or my parents made me or it makes my wife happy or I like it, I enjoy it. I like the music, I like the pastor's message, it's just the right thing to do, or maybe some people would say, it's just what I've always done. You'll get lots of different answers, or um, you'll get an answer like my daughter gave me this morning when she woke up. She's five. Uh, This is a late addition to the sermon, by the way. She was so happy when she woke up, like right away when she got up, super happy. I asked her, why are you happy? She's like, we get to go to church today. And I was like, oh, that's great. And then she said, and there's a Paw Patrol jet toy there. I was like, That's, I'm like, that's great. That's wonderful, Elena. I'm happy for you. But forget about the why. Forget about the why. Here's a fact. Everyone worships. It doesn't matter if you go to a church every single week and you have done for the, entire, the entirety of your life, or this is your first time here, or it's your first time watching online. Everybody worships. It, it doesn't matter if you wake up in the morning uh, saying thank you to God, or you wake up in the morning firmly believing that God does not exist. Everyone worships, no matter who you are. But don't just take a Christian pastor's word for it. Take the word of an atheist author. I've shared bits and pieces of this address before but this is from the author David Foster Wallace. And this is from 2005 when he gave the commencement address at Kenyon College, which is in central Ohio. He's speaking to graduates. And remember, he's, we don't know for certain, but he's almost certainly an atheist. Here's what he said. In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, he's speaking to college graduates, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. The only choice we get is what to worship. And the compelling reason for choosing some form of God to worship is that virtually every other thing you choose to worship, he said, will eat you alive. Then he gives some examples. If you worship money and things, then you will never have enough. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. When time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths. Worship power, and you will end up feeling weak and afraid, and you will need ever more power to numb your fear. Worship your intellect, you will end up feeling stupid, always on the verge of being found out. And the so-called real world will not discourage us from operating on these default settings. Our own present culture has harnessed these forces in ways that have yielded extraordinary wealth and comfort and personal freedom, the freedom to all be lords of our own skull-sized kingdoms, alone at the center of all creation. That's what he said. Now, for the rest of the sermon, let's all operate on the premise that that's true. I believe it's true. And God says it's true. So let's, let's operate with that. So no matter who or what you are, what you believe, we're all worshiping something. The question is, what are we going to worship? What or whom and why? And so I want to tell you this morning Worship God. Worship God in your life and in your church. And first we're going to look at Romans 12, 1. I read it actually once earlier. Here it is again. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, I've shared this with you all before, but whenever you read the word therefore in the Bible, stop. It's like a flashing sign saying stop here. So when you come to therefore, look behind because therefore is there to say, hey, look at what I just said because on the basis of what I just said, I'm about to say what comes right after the therefore and that thing is important. So stop and pay attention. Therefore. In this particular verse, if there were no therefore, there would be no actual reason for us to worship. No reason to gather together right here. No reason to buy and renovate a ministry center. No reason to reach out to people who don't know that Jesus loves them just yet. There'd be no reason to do any of that. There'd be no point because there would be no therefore. Now, the therefore in Romans 12, 1, it could refer back to what I just read earlier from the end of Romans 11 where it talked about how great and big and how we can't understand God, so worship him. But actually, in the bigger picture, this therefore, it points back to all of chapters 1 through 11 of Romans. Now, in my last year of seminary, we spent a semester and a half, an hour a day, studying those 11 chapters. But they can really all be summed up in just five words. And they're in 12 verse 1. Those five words are, in view of God's mercy. Therefore. Now, mercy is seeing someone's need and acting on it. You see someone and you can see that they're lacking something. It could be anything. And you do what you can to fill that need. Not because of who they are or what they've done for you. You just see a need and you fill it. And that is exactly what God has done for us. He saw that every single person in the world lacks perfection. And that's what we need. Because in order to have eternal life with him, we need Perfection. You don't just need to be a nice woman or a nice man or a nice kid and try your best in school and at work and serve your community and serve each other. That that's not good enough. We need perfection, and God saw that we all lacked it, and so He gave it to us. He sent His Son Jesus to be perfect, and when Jesus died on that cross, like I made a beeline to the cross at the beginning here, because that's where we all have to run. When He died, He transferred His perfection to you. God had mercy. He saw our need. And he filled it. Another way to say it, God saw that we in and of ourselves cannot have any sense of worth. And so he said, You know what you're worth? You are worth the life of my son. Because I want you to be my son or daughter too. God had mercy, he saw a need and filled it. Now there's a guy named Larry Stewart. And he died a few years back, but from 1979 to 2006, every December, he would go out into his town. He would just see someone who looked like they were in need for whatever reason. He'd go up to him, he'd say, Merry Christmas. He would hand him a $100 bill or a few of them, and then he'd walk away. Most often, he did this in his hometown of Kansas City. But he went other places too. Like after 9/11, 2001, he went to New York. 2002, he was in D.C. after some sniper shootings. 2003, I believe he was in Florida after three hurricanes. No, 2003 was San Diego after forest fires. 2004 was Florida after three hurricanes. 2005 was Mississippi after the worst parts of hurricane. He went to the worst hit areas from Hurricane Katrina. When he died in 2007 at the age of 58 he had given away $1.3 million just by going up and handing people money. That's mercy. He saw a perceived need and he said, you know what, I'm gonna help even if it's just in this little way. God's mercy, like I was telling the kids, like Larry Stewart's mercy, amazing. God's indescribably more amazing. And in view of that mercy, Paul says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now a living sacrifice, that's an oxymoron. In other words, it doesn't make any sense at all because sacrifices aren't living, especially when you go to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, most often sacrificing an animal, and I'm sorry to those of you who love animals, but it it meant killing the animal. And you taking an animal that you loved and not just giving it away, but killing it, it it served a couple purposes. One was that you were giving something up. You were sacrificing not just the animal, but you were sacrificing your love for the animal to, in a sense, proclaim, this is how great I know God is. This is how much I trust him. I can get rid of this other thing that I know and love because God's asking me to. And then also, the animal sacrifices, they were, they were what God demanded to pay the price to take away people's sin. And yes, they ultimately pointed to Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. But living sacrifice, that's different. The ultimate sacrifice, Jesus, it's already been made. So the sacrifices we make, they don't, they don't need to involve death at all. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 10 says. This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. Then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Do you see this living sacrifice? This is not for sin. Your sin's already been sacrificed for. Your living sacrifice is not for sin. It's simply in thanks. It's in view of God's mercy. And when Paul says, offer your bodies, he's saying, offer the entirety of your life. And this gets back to the fact that we are always worshiping. When you're gathering with your friends on Friday or Saturday night or whenever you gather with people, it's an opportunity to worship. When you're sitting in traffic and you're late for wherever you're going because there's what turns out to be a minor accident, not even taking up any lanes of traffic, but people feel the need to gawk at it, and so it's backed up for miles. I know you all have been there. When you're sitting in the car, that's an opportunity to worship. When you're sitting and enjoying a a beverage of any sort, watching your favorite team on TV or in person, that's an opportunity to worship. When you're doing that part of your job, and I don't care if it's a job at a job or it's your job just being a person at home and you're doing the part or you're thinking about doing the part of your job that you always put off till last. That's an opportunity to worship. I once heard of an elderly woman who put a sign above her kitchen sink. It said, welcome to worship. She recognized that that was one of the ways that she did what Romans 12 verse one said. She was worshiping God by simply doing her dishes no matter what the task is in life, no matter where you are, it's an opportunity to worship God and offer your body as a living sacrifice. So worship God in your life. And also, worship God in your church. That's what we're doing as we gather together here. Um, We sometimes, well, we sometimes call this place a church. You're also a church of people, but here's what Hebrews 10 says. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, and the most holy place, it it means, for us today, it means the presence of God, where God is. Just like I went straight to the cross when I came in, nothing holds me back, nothing holds you back. You can have total confidence when you think about being in God's presence. You don't have to be scared or fearful or anything. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, how? How? By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, that means worshiping together, whether it's in person or online, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, a couple things it said there it talked about gathering together and i said can be in person can be online either way it also talked about let us spur one another on and encourage one another toward love and good deeds now a couple things that's harder to do. i'll speak to everyone who is watching online but you can all listen in that's harder to do when you're online because you're by yourself or you're just with your family so take the opportunity to Text someone who you know is here or, or look at who else is watching online with you. Maybe put a comment in there, some sort of encouragement. Like communicate with each other, serve one another. Don't just sit back and take it all in. Now I said that was for people online, but I kind of lied because that's for all of y'all too. Because it's, it's also very simple to simply walk in, sit down, grab some coffee and walk out. And I'm thankful that you did that but that's not that's not what Hebrews 10 said. It also said spur one another on, encourage one another toward love and good deeds. So part of worship is not simply coming and hearing from God. What God is saying in Hebrews 10 is that it also involves serving other people. Cuz how can you not? In view of mercy that God has shown you, how can you not show mercy to other people? And in this case it simply means seeing someone saying, hmm, I bet they need something. And then you go up and say hi, tell them you care about them, ask how they're doing, serve them in some way. But there's more to worship. Colossians three sixteen says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So we might worship here on Sunday morning, with hymns, songs, psalms, all sorts of things. We might do what psalms say all over the place and gather with tambourines and dancing. Or we might use other instruments like guitar and keyboard and cajon and voices and violin and shakers and all sorts of other things. We could do that. Um, You might stand up and belt out your favorite songs or hymns at the top of your lungs. Or you might sit back and just silently take in the wonderful love of God. You might let out an amen, which just means, I believe it. When you hear something, you agree with so much that you just can't not say anything. Or you might even, at the end of your favorite song, let out a whoop. You could do that. I don't know how to say whoop. <laughs> it probably sounds weird, but I don't care. You, you might do that. You might praise God in all those different ways, or... Or you might do it in a little different way and not do any of those exact things. But no matter what it looks like outside, the word of God is dwelling in you richly. And one thing we always do here, in one way or another, or in multiple ways, is that we, surgery happens. We are each cut open. We're cut open with guilt and horror at the ways that in the day-to-day trenches of our lives, we end up worshiping Someone or something, most often in one way or another, we're worshiping ourselves instead of worshiping God. We're we're cut open. And then our wounds are completely closed forever. When you hear words like this, your sins and lawless acts, I will remember no more. We worship in our lives. We worship in church as well. Now back to Romans 12 verse one, one last time. It says in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies, your whole self, as a living sacrifice. And then at the end it says, "This is your true and proper worship." Now the word translated ch- "true and proper" in Greek is logikos. What does that sound like? Logical. This is your logical worship. Logical means something that you have thoroughly thought through, and there's only one path forward. In view of God's mercy, you've thought it through and through and through and through. And what's the only logical thing to do? Worship God with your entire life. And that means doing everything or at least trying to do every single thing that he says. Because that's how you show someone that you value them. You do what they say. We gather here to do the only thing logical. Worship God. And worship is technically defined as God serving us and us serving God. So we gather here together to receive rest at the fact that God is bigger and stronger and loves us more than anything and anyone else in the entire world. And we serve God. We offer him our praises. We say, God, you're worth me being here, me listening to what you have to say. God, you're worth going out of my way to do what you say and serve other people, even though it would be easier just to be here by myself and just be concerned about my own life. And God, you know that I have enough problems of my own to think about. You know that I don't have unlimited energy, but God, you know, you're worth so much to me that I'm going to, in view of your mercy, seek other people out when I'm here and serve them as much as I can. And God, give me strength and God bless me as I worship you and serve them. So, my dear people, in view of God's mercy. Worship him because it is the only logical thing to do. Amen.